We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Welcome in, welcome in. We have another second to breathe here, and it is time Tuesday night for an episode of Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, on these Tuesday shows, Carl Dummler. Carl, how you doing? Man, it's not typical that we get victory Tuesday. I can't even think of the last time the Broncos won a Monday night football game, but uh, here we are, man. Uh, awesome. That's uh, so great. How, how are you doing? I think they said 2012 was the last time we won a Monday night football game. That can't be true. I, I, uh, I, I 2014. Believe, it, it was it was Manning years. It was the very okay, last. I believe time that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Well. So, uh, gotta love that. Gotta love it. How are you? How are you feeling? What's new? Uh I mean, I'm feeling great. Obviously. I mean, Broncos have not lost in a month, a calendar month, at this point. You know, obviously there was the bye week somewhere in there, but uh, but still. Riding high on on this win, got to wake up this morning, tell my kids the Broncos won because my wife decided that they couldn't stay up to watch the game. I know <sighs> she's one of those sticklers on on bedtimes, and uh, hopefully she's not watching right now. But uh, no, uh, but no, it was it was just a great night. Um, even after the win, like I couldn't go to bed, so I went for like a four or five mile run, um, and probably gonna do that again tonight because I'm still just feeling that that energy from this kind of game. It, it just Man, to see the Broncos, you know, winning at home against Chiefs, great. It was. I mean, that was still going to be probably the win of the year for the Broncos. But to be able to go on the road now and take on a playoff contender like this, and it just, man, it's been been a special month with the Broncos. It has, and hopefully the good times can keep rolling. But for now, you know, the big questions long-term, well, if they come up as a super chat, we'll get to them. Uh, But want to really marinate and enjoy the present because it's been too long. Uh, It really feels just like way too long since we've actually had substance and actual hope and direction uh, with these Broncos. So really high and riding high and enjoying it right now. We got Rob with us, $5 super chat coming in saying uh, good evening, gents thoughts on the lack of pass rush. Allen wasn't sacked once excited to get Greg Dulcich back soon. Hopefully. Uh, what about your thoughts on the Broncos' lack of sacks on Allen in this game? Obviously, the, there was a discrepancy there. Uh, Russell Wilson was sacked, I believe, four times to Allen's zero. 
Uh, but your thoughts on the the sack production from the Broncos, uh, and I'm not talking about the Manscaped read coming up. <laughs> I I honestly didn't mind it. Um, I, I get you want to go get those sacks, you want to get pressure on the quarterback, but with a quarterback like Josh Allen, who actually likes to run, and you saw a few times if he gets escaping out of the pocket, it could get bad. It can get very dangerous. I mean, he ran for that touchdown later in the game to to give them a one point lead. And you saw the Broncos, a lot of their plan was we got to contain this guy, keep him here, keep him in this pocket. They even had a lot of plays where they had a spy, you know, Nick Benito with his athleticism, they would have him back there, just kind of watch him. Where's he going? And if he gets out of the pocket, then yes, I'm going to attack. And you just do that when, like I said, when you've got this kind of athletic quarterback. And so it really didn't bother me too much. I mean, I'd still like to see a little bit more. Uh, you saw that, especially with Baron Browning, they spent a lot of this game double teaming him. Mm-hmm. And so the teams are recognizing, like, we can't let this guy beat us. And I wish there was maybe somebody else that could really step up into that. Um, Allen had a couple nice rush moves. He had that one where he got held early in the game. Singleton almost picked it off. Uh, we just need maybe a few more of those kind of plays. But the Bills, they have a pretty darn good offensive line. So I don't want to take credit away from them either. And like I said, Josh Allen with his running ability, you have to be you have to be smart with your pass rush. Pick your opportunities to really attack and understand if you miss, it could be six points going the other way, unfortunately for you. Yeah, I felt like the pass rush in this game was not as extreme as the contain that we saw with Patrick Mahomes last week, but it was a page out of the same playbook where you had on a lot of downs where you could get aggressive with your blitz looks. Uh, we saw Benito uh, dropping into space or, you know, spying him and mirroring uh, Allen in case he does take off. So I uh, guess the Broncos pass rush is still something of a concern. They've been better of the last two and a half weeks, th- three weeks since Browning's come back. And I don't know if I mean, causation isn't uh Correlation isn't causation. I say causation isn't correlation, but uh, we've had Zach Allen really come into his own the last few weeks as well. So they look better there, but the Broncos are still uh, dead last in the NFL this season in their pressure rate, uh, according to pro football reference at just concert, uh, getting pressure on 15% of the dropbacks. Uh, number one in the NFL is the jets at 29.6, but uh, they did get PFF. They, they account pressures a little differently, but 10 pressures in this game on 26 dropbacks from Allen, it's just hard to say. I mean, it's, I would like them to be a little bit better there, but sack production to me, isn't the same as getting pressure on the quarterback. And there was pressure on the quarterback. I mean that the fourth and one, or what was it? Fourth and two that we saw where Josh Allen uh, busted out as a play, like right after, right before that Zach Allen batted a ball down and they get pressure of the play before that. And then chased him and forced an errant throw because of the heat on him from the pass rushers. So yes, would like to get a little bit more sacks here. Hopefully we can see that going forward because obviously, as we've seen at the Broncos, uh, when you are sacked and it's, you know, second and six, second and uh, 16 or something, it's a lot harder to convert from there. Uh, But I'm not super worried it compared to where we were coming into it because I never had super high expectations for the pass rush statistical output. Yeah, I'm with you. And we got Michael coming in saying, good evening, Nick and Carl. I'm building the Broncos. Go Broncos. Michael, always good to see you. And we got D Porter coming in with a $10 super saying, hey, Nick and Carl, I attribute the current hot streak to the meet and greet. It's M&G Mojo. Hey, I mean, Nick, you started this, man. Your first official live Bronco win. Mm-hmm. And now we haven't lost. 
And so now you can never go to a Bronco game again because they're never going to lose again. The second well, you go back, they- it's going to end ho- horribly for the Broncos. So what I'm hearing is once this uh, streak stops, they need to fly me back out and uh, go to another game. I got the secret sauce there. Uh, again, not a Manscaped read. But uh, thank you so much, D. Porter. <laughs> uh, really, really uh, great to meet you at the meet and greet. It was a lot of fun uh, hanging out with everybody. And uh, definitely, I can't guarantee anything for next year because I will have a... Uh, less than one year old here. What does that look like? I don't know, but uh, won't be the last meet and greet for sure. It was a lot of fun. If you didn't get a chance to get out there, make sure you do. But D Porter, awesome to see. We also got a guy, Phil McLaughlin coming in. That was one of the ones that broke my heart that uh, couldn't get out there. So Phil uh, says, good evening, Nick, Carl, and Deacon Scott. What a game. Got to give them a turkey leg. I think the Broncos maybe gave the Bills a turkey leg. Uh, Seems like the D is still having a problem against the run. Honestly, I don't know what the what the bills stopped run, but thankfully they did or why the bills stopped running, but thankfully they did buck them and go Broncos. Well, luckily for the Broncos, it was one of the games where the, the game flow worked out where the bills were playing catch up the entire time. I mean, almost immediately they had to play catch up. Uh, and I think they didn't have a lead until that last drive they had where they scored a touchdown. Uh, so that was fortunate for Bronco, the Broncos, probably unfortunate. That's not going to be the case for, most games going forward, you're not going to have, you know, two turnovers on the first two drives. Uh, so there will be closer games where maybe even games where the opponents have the lead and they're able to run a little bit more, but yeah, the running, the rushing defense is a concern. I will say, I know that there's been a little bit of talk about that this week, but, and I don't have the data yet on the personnel fronts uh, from this game, but I think the Broncos matched up very light against the bills in this game with, uh, I mean, a lot of three edge rusher looks out there. Uh, not a lot of base personnel. So I'm not super worried about the run defense. I think it was almost like a schematic matchup kind of thing with the bills and their 10 personnel. Uh, but it's going to be interesting and a trend what going forward uh, to, to follow at least. Yeah, no. And it really wasn't everybody. There's just a few players that really made some dumb decisions in this game. Uh, Nick Benito, I hate to call him out too much, but there's a lot of times where he is because he understands he's not a guy that can anchor well. So he tries to beat a guy to the inside and all of a sudden, boom, that edge is just given up like crazy. Uh, Cooper has not been great lately. In my opinion, jewel did not have a good game. The tackling was horrible in this game. You know, there's just, there's a few things that they can clean up. Um, and like I said, for me, Bonito, I really wish if it's a, if it's considered a rundown, him not being on the field, Mm. you know, if it's a pure passing situation, then yeah, go ahead, give him his chance to go make a play, get after somebody, you know, even against Minnesota, I don't mind him being a spy like he was, you know, because Dobbs, he can run the football just fine. So you're going to want a guy that's athletic that can get after him like that. But like I said, just his inability to hold the edge teams attack that like crazy. They see him on the field and it's boom, we got to attack number 42 in the run game. Yeah, I will be curious to see what the strategy is going forward with that. Uh, there was that play with Latavius Murray uh, where Benito crashed in. We don't know what the assignment was, to be fair, but it looked like one that maybe he abandoned uh, his gap there, and uh, it led to Latavius Murray kicking it out and just really easy, and a really easy run from that. So will be fun. Again, I really liked all the usage of Benito in this game with a little bit of a creeper up there, you know, spying on the quarterback, uh, mirroring Josh Allen. Maybe you'll have to see that again with Josh Dobbs this week with the Vikings, considering he's an athlete and the Bills can't really run a 
typical rushing offense. So it's going to be a fun matchup this week against the Vikings. We're excited for that, but we need to revel on uh, this uh, Bills game still a little bit longer. And uh, man, Broncos win three in a row. That's made me hungry for more wins. And uh, if you're hungry, you guys definitely got to check out Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and part of your game day. Uh, the pizza is a huge part, obviously, of my week uh, watching football. I mean, we eat a good amount of pizza. My wife's a vegetarian, so I'll get, you know, the half pepperoni, whatever. I really like a good Supreme there, uh, but love pizza. And we could not be repping wings this week, obviously. Complaining the Buffalo, wings are off the menu. Uh, so make sure you're checking out Little Caesars. Order online during our pizza, pizza pregame, one hour and three hours before and after the NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery on our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game this upcoming week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gotta love Little Caesars. Uh, so keeping it going here, Carl, any any more thoughts on this game? I know you got a lot uh, of thoughts here, and we got Phil coming back and said, do you guys think there were a lot of missed tackles in this game? I don't know if it was higher than a typical rate. I think that it felt like once they got through that first line of defense, uh, the Bills' run game, it was like off to the races. Uh, it was kind of a party of seeing guys getting washed out, but it didn't really feel like the Miami game where it was missed tackles left and right or guys missing dudes in space. Yeah, I think maybe a bigger issue was a lot of over-pursuing where they were seeing a play go to the right, so guys just really crashed down the line of scrimmage, and then there was a lot of big cutback lanes for for Cook or for Murray or, you know, whoever was running the football there. And so, like, and I think you said earlier that there were a lot – they used a lot more light formations in this one. You know, they had some NASCAR packages, especially to get after the quarterback because – the bills just love to to pass like even if the run game's working they, they've actually had a pretty solid run game all year they kind of were like the broncos early in the year where peyton would say oh yeah i should have stuck with the run game like there's a lot of games they should have just stuck with the run game but they just they have this high-powered quarterback that you know has the the golden arm i mean if you were designing right. an arm for a quarterback it would be josh allen's arm Probably. But unfortunately, this is where you live by the arm, you die by the arm. You know, it, it's that, that's the kind of player that he is. Um, I know a lot of people have said Brett Favre, but he's just Brett Favre. It fit more the the time period where he was playing. It doesn't fit today's NFL, where teams like, like that's what they're keying for. They understand a lot of times you can't stop teams as much th- from twenty to twenty, but if you can get those turnovers, that's what you're trying to fight for. Those are the game changing plays. 
And so I, I feel like Josh Allen's just a little bit out of his time type table. And yeah, tried to make a few throws that he never should have. Probably had should have had about four or five interceptions in that game, really. He got lucky on a, a few plays. So um yeah, I the, the missed tackles, it's a problem. The over-pursuing, it's a problem. They, they've got to clean some of this up if they really want to take this team to another level. You know, and th- that's on the defense. I am I'm, I don't want to say too much bad about the defense because you just took on two of the best quarterbacks in football and contained them well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about as good as anybody has done in the last couple of years. But we're talking run defense, right? That's, yeah. And part of that is the quarterbacks you're facing as well. Uh, but it is a slight concern. I mean... Jonathan Harris, God bless him, but he doesn't look like he should be your one of your starters in base defense out there. Honestly, maybe you should see Purcell in there more at nose tackle with uh, DJ Jones kicked out to that four-eye, five-technique spot. Uh, you lose a little bit of the pass rush there, but at least you get a little bit more mass. Uh, I don't know. The run defense is pretty poor. This was a pretty poor game from the linebackers as well. I think this maybe was Jules' worst game of the season. Uh, so, But in the end doesn't matter. The Broncos took the ball away. Uh, and I can't say the offense took advantage of the ball taken away, but the defense took the ball away and uh, kept Josh Allen out of the end zone for the most part. So really, really hard to be too hard on it. Obviously a few things to hear improve here and there. And uh, Sean Payton said as such today as well, you know, things I got to keep working on. So a lot of fun to see that when anything really surprised you uh, from this game as well, Carl, anything that you like, you had prior expectations coming in that, uh, you know, like blew you away from how the Broncos played good or bad. Well, I, I think again, just the secondary being able to play like the chiefs, they don't have a great wide receiver core. And I'm not trying to say the bills do, but obviously they, they have a couple players. Diggs is a pretty good player. Gabe Davis is another that's had really nice moments. And I got to say Fabian Moreau, another decent game for him, not against the run, but in, in pass coverage, like he was making some great plays. Another guy that maybe could have had a multi-interception kind of game because he just was right there ready to make a play, understood what the Bills were trying to do. You got McMillian again, another great play for him of of getting the the forced fumble right there, very first play, did another nice job in coverage. And and so on their their trio. Now, Now they need to have them stay healthy. You know, everybody knock on wood here because, like I said, if any of those guys go down, it's going to be kind of panic mode. I don't know what we really got behind him because Mathis, again, gave up some bad plays in the few snaps that he got on defense. Um, I mean, it's obvious that teams still see like when number 27 is on the field, that's who we're going after. But again, it, it just it's great to see Moreau step up to that position of knowing, OK, they're going to throw at me a lot because I think Sertan was only passed. I think only three passes came his way the entire game. So teams are going to stay away from him as much as they possibly can. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, Justin Simmons having another good game, uh, another nice pick, pretty good in the run defense. He was one of the few that really stepped up that way. Uh, so that's secondary. Man, they've really become the strength of this team, in my opinion. And it's really, I mean, you can do a lot structural structurally because of Patrick Sertan being so good on that side of the field and I got no issue. I mean, considering how much zone teams play on early downs, you're not going to have Sertan just shadow a guy and give your tendency away. Like, oh, it's man. He's following the guy in the pre-snap motion there. So everybody, you know, fire, 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 you know, call the audible there or whatever. So we're not seeing that uh, so much. But playing that side of the field, you can do a lot with him. And then Simmons taking the ball away. I don't know if we quantify enough the 
playmaking ability of Simmons, but it wasn't just that interception, you know, good eyes, right place, right time, uh, cover three call on that one, I believe. Uh, but then the punching the ball out from James Cook too. now a miraculous art, uh, Australian rules football dribble back to James Cook on that one, but Simmons got his hand in there and that could have been the game right there. Uh, another one where he's just making plays. It's kind of trickling down on Jaquan McMillian there on that first play as well, attacking the football. Uh, so yeah, the secondary is great. I, I do worry at some point that Fabian Moreau is going to turn into a pumpkin, right? It's like, we, I watched him enough watching the Falcons uh, doing the Falcons stuff with Scott. And it's like, man, he is not very physical, not very good. Luckily in coverage, the athleticism shows uh, they're closing on the football. I do worry about the physicality uh, teams that it can run the football better uh, because of game script. And also maybe teams that are better in the quick pass game that can isolate uh, Moreau in space. That might be a problem at some point, uh, but it has not reared its head totally just yet. Now the, the run game stuff, not, not great yesterday for Moreau, but there was plenty of guys. Uh, it wasn't just uh, Moreau who you don't have what the bills run 200 yards. James cook, over 100 on 12 carries that doesn't happen um unless multiple guys are making mistakes out there yeah no i'm with you but like i said i just very impressed with this defense once again showing up big time making the right plays when they needed to have them um obviously got a little nervous there at the end of the game that the offense hadn't done enough with everything the defense had given them but they they finally offense finally showed up there at the end and, and i i got to give credit for the offense mm-hmm. the few times that you know, end of halves, uh, the end of the first half, being able to get in position, go make that field goal. Um, then obviously at the end of the game, being able to make that final drive, make those kind of plays, you know, Russell Wilson going from getting sacked on the all out blitz to understanding like this is what they're doing at me again, which for the bills, I don't know why you do that play twice in a row. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That's one of those where you go from all out blitz to then only send three kind of thing because you already Wilson, won. Yeah. You already yeah. won. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Anyway, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, um, mm-hmm. but great job for for Russell Wilson to really close out that game. And we got Mike coming in with a ten dollars super saying, "Good evening, Nick, Carl, and Scott. Great win. I believe we are a work in progress. Definitely believe we are on the right track. What are your thoughts on Minnesota? Go Broncos and go MHH. Thank you, Mike. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I don't want to spend too much time breaking down Minnesota unless Carl does, because this will be, you know, his chance to really have the floor for that. But the thing that I am fascinated to watch in this matchup. And if you follow me on Twitter, I've tweeted about it probably three or four times already with different, uh, uh, different data, but the Vikings under Brian Flores are far and away the heaviest blitz rate team 
in the NFL. They will run cover zero. They will send jailhouse blitzes, a lot of different stuff with a single high safety. They are not a friend to send rushers and leave guys in the back end vulnerable, which means you could have a chance for some big plays, DPIs down the field, kind of like what we saw with that Jerry Judy uh, pass interference to get the Broncos in field goal range. That being said, on the season, uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos have struggled against the Blitz overall. I mean, there's enough of a sample size now to say that it's not just, you know, a fluke. Uh, The data is the data. And I think out of quarterbacks with 125 pass dropbacks this season, which creates a sample size of 30 quarterbacks, Russell Wilson's EPA per play against the Blitz is the third worst in the NFL. Uh, So against a really aggressive team that wants to blitz highest blitz rate in the NFL on first down, I think the third highest on third down as well. How does Sean Payton uh, work around that? I mean, we've seen the Broncos, I think, improve over time with screens this season, maybe some jet sweep stuff as well. I know the Marvin Mim stuff, cover your ears there, but you got to figure out how to get around these guys, uh, you know, get use their aggression against them. So will be very interesting. Russell Wilson's struggles in the quick pass game hurt this hurt your ability there too. It's probably the reason the EPA is so low against the blitz. Uh, but that is my biggest thing. What do the Broncos look like against the blitz? Cause it's not going to be a surprise. It's coming. Yeah. I, I thought, I mean, I get the all out blitz obviously there at the end where they gave up the sack. It's kind of a weird stepping by Russell Wilson. I think he only took like two steps back and obviously with the jailhouse break, blitz like that i mean you need a little bit more space usually you're trying to tell your quarterbacks like keep drifting yeah. and then just you know try to throw to a spot and hope your guy can go make a play that's what he did on the second time um but i felt like there's a couple plays some of the biggest plays for the broncos in that game was when the the bills did bring pressure and the offensive line held up you know i, I loved man hurts i thought he did great in pass protection he had a couple really nice blocks there to to set up i think there was one to Cortland sutton on a play where he was coming clear across the formation, um, end up catching it there on the sideline. That was on a, a blitz play by the Bills. Uh, and the Bills didn't blitz a whole lot in this one. But I think the few times they did, the Broncos did a decent job of picking it up. It was kind of weird. Some of their worst protection was when the Bills only brought three. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on there. Just a lot of miscommunications of who had who. But um, that that was kind of rough to watch. And Lloyd Cushenberry had a bad game. You know, probably his worst here in the last two months, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I thought I Ed Oliver took it to him and Powers. Yeah, uh, right. Pretty often. I mean, still Russell Wilson overall had time to throw. I think he had the fourth high, longest time to throw in the NFL. We don't have the time to pressure data yet, uh, but we'll see what that looks like uh, when it is released. But yeah, it should be. It was a great game. Ed Oliver, I mean, still, you know, they paid him big money. Uh, one of the better athletes at defensive tackle. So Broncos, I don't want to say escape with a win. Uh, both teams tried to win and both teams tried to lose and uh, ball bounced Denver's way enough and uh, they executed when it mattered. And God, man, I, they were, I want to say, Scott had the data earlier when we were talking about it, but they were like something like four for nine on third on third down entering the fourth quarter or something terrible. And they end the game eight for 19, I want to say. And they were just, third down after third down after third down in that fourth quarter there. I mean, really managing the game. And then Russell Wilson 
finding a way. It was never, it was never really super pretty from them, but you know, using his legs, uh, being a playmaker, distributing the ball to the running backs, uh, and letting his playmakers go out there and do stuff too. So it was yeah. great. Um, it was a lot of fun to see the yeah, four for 14 on third down average yards to go, uh, 8.9. They finished, uh, nine for 18 or eight for 19 or something. So really just a clutch down the stretch there that felt, you know, all this, I don't know if you followed the Broncos kind of stuff today with us, oh, Russell Wilson back. No, he's not back. Maybe he is back to an extent because who he actually was in Seattle <laughs> compared right. to where the league trends are at now. Uh, but that looked like vintage Russ and that was great uh, to see. And we got Miguel talking about a vintage one in here, always coming in supporting the show. Miguel Santa, Steven saying sup fellas, how do our defensive backs stack up against the Vikings? Any news on lock? I'm not sure if you, man, you guys are already turning the page. I can't believe this. No, it's okay. Miguel. Uh, I don't know if he means defensive back versus a defensive back here or the Vikings defensive backs versus, or how do our defensive backs stack up against the Vikings? I do worry about whoever Sertan's going to shut down one side of the field. What are the games that are happening on the other side of the field? Uh, I don't think you're going to see Josh Dobbs turn the ball over left and right. And you got Jordan Addison, who's been one of the top three rookie wide receivers this season. I would right. put Puka Nakua first, but he's been awesome. And then TJ Hawkinson has been like killing it out there for the, uh, for them this year. He's been one of the top five most prolific tight ends in football, uh, I believe. So they got options in the pass game. Broncos defensive backs, we got. We know what Simmons will do. We know what Sertain will do. Can McMillian keep up the level of play we've seen so far? What does Kareem Jackson look like with these back? Does Moreau turn into a pumpkin? I, great questions. Uh, it's going to be a very intriguing matchup. Yeah, I, I think one. Well, some of it depends. Is Justin Jeff, Justin Jefferson back for this one? You I know, think he will be. I and and then again, what is he? Is he going to be ninety percent, eighty percent? What is he going to be? Uh, Lock. Yeah, we don't know on his injury quite yet. He was in a boot. He seemed optimistic, but players are always more optimistic than medical staff on a lot of things. And you know, everybody's riding high after the win. So, of course, he's going to be talking well of his chance to come back. Um, now, the Broncos do get Kareem Jackson back this week. And I I went back and forth with somebody on Twitter on this, and they were like, we should keep DTY out there because Kareem sucks. And, yeah, Kareem has not been great, but DTY has been terrible, like bottom three safety in football, in my opinion. So I, I would definitely not go in that direction if, if the Broncos can avoid it. Yeah, and you know what you want to avoid this? The holiday season, uh, Thanksgiving coming up here, not having your turkey leg ready, ready to spice things up on your Thanksgiving as we drive head first, dive head first into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce. Let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season, the manscaped lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. It's time to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of your own turkey leg with the lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com and use our code HUDDLE for 20% off and free shipping. And enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Gobble, gobble, boys. Yeah, if there's anybody that knows anything about trimming, it's this guy right here. So understand this Lawnmower 5.0, it's waterproof so you can groom wet or dry. Let's face it, we all want to look our best before carving that bird. Plus, the LED spotlight ensures you don't miss a spot, even in low-light situations. And and for my men who go back for seconds, Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra is the ultimate bundle for the man who deserves it all. Yeah, guys, so get 20% off and free shipping with our code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code HUDDLE. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Always a good time. Uh, We got Phil McLaughlin coming in here saying, are we going to be able to keep Justin Simmons? He is on fire this season. Yeah, things are going to get really interesting uh, this upcoming offseason. And I love you guys talking team building here, getting way ahead. Uh, Right now, I think the biggest three contracts off the top of my head uh, are Justin Simmons, Garrett Bowles, and uh, uh, Cortland Sutton. I don't want to have Broncos football in 2024 without any of them. Uh, And they might have to make some hard decisions here. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think out of that order, Simmons is the most likely to be retained and uh, extended. I mean, he's, I know that Von Miller was never not a Bronco for life and because he wasn't, maybe nobody ever will be. Uh, But Simmons is the heartbeat of Denver represents the city, the organization, uh, everything he ever does very well. And uh, I hope that they can keep Simmons. Uh, I'm with you. I obviously he's been a playmaker, three interceptions in the last four games. Um, his work on the back end. And like I said, coming up, helping with the run game has been an underrated part of his game. Now he's not laying the big hits, but he is smart knowing where, where a play is going, getting to that spot as quick as possible. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they can keep him, but I think he's also proven that he might have some incredible value in a trade. So th- that might be enticing for the Broncos, but then you got to have somebody to, to replace him. Um, so Personally, I, I don't think you're going enough. You're going to get enough back in a trade to justify leaving a player like him off because he, he's an All-Pro caliber player. You know, especially like I said, after these last few games, he started off the season rough, but everybody on defense started the season off rough. You could tell everybody wasn't on the same page, knowing exactly where they're supposed to be, and everybody was just like a half step late getting to plays. But lately, yeah, he's been right place, right time each time, and so I'm hoping they can keep him. Garrett Bowles. He kind of had a little bit of a rougher game this last week against, or I guess yesterday against Buffalo. I would say it wasn't his be- his best, is what I'll say. I thought um, you were about to give credit to my guy AJ Epinesa. Go Hawks! But anyway, God, well, he, okay. <laughs> I mean, if somebody has a bad game, that means somebody else had a good game, right? Yeah. Um, kind of the interesting thing, Mike McGlinchey on the other side. This might have been his best game. I think. So. I think he only gave up two pressures, no sacks, uh, one false start. Oh yeah, the false start. That ah, the stupid penalties. Yeah. Man, how many pre-snap penalties did we have in this game? It's way too many, obviously. And th- this offense isn't one of those that can overcome those kind of stupid penalties. Those five yards make a huge difference. You think of that first drive. You know, you go from third and eight to, to third and twelve. It changed their whole dynamic of how they were going to attack that play. All of a sudden, they, they did a handoff and it went for eight yards. And, but I think if it's third and eight, you feel a lot more comfortable trying to, to throw it there. Maybe you pick up a first down, maybe you get a touchdown off your first drive where it really puts the pressure on the Buffalo bills instead of just the field goal. So, um, so again, I, just a couple little stupid mistakes, but Michael Genshi, I got to give him credit. Like he's, I think he's slowly improved as the season has gone on. In my opinion, um, Garrett Bowles, he's kind of, I'd say a couple of his rougher games have been these last couple ones. 
Now, you know, Chiefs, they have some good pass rushers. Buffalo Bills, again, have some really good pass rushers. So understand they're going against some really good players and, and they're going to lose a few of those battles. But uh, Mario coming in saying, how do we get one of those hats? Yes, uh, you can head over to our merch store and uh, it's right there on the screen, mhhmerch.com. That's where you can get all of these kind of hats for every show that's out there. There's even the Broncos for breakfast. You got the mugs. Look at that man. Nick, he's got the hat game going. So definitely anybody that would like to get one of these. Um, I, I always love wearing this around town. Every once in a while, somebody will recognize and be like, oh, I've heard of that show. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of on that show. But uh, no, we'd love to see it. See any of you. If you guys get a hat, make sure you guys take a picture, tag us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, just so we know that we can see, see you wearing the good gear. Yeah, a lot of fun. And uh, support coming in again from Michael Ronquillo. Michael, man, always good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well and uh, starting to be a little, it's getting that time of year out here in the Pacific Northwest where I'm getting envious of your uh, Tucson sun and temperature. I mean, it was, sun was going down today uh, as I pulled up. So uh, we're entering the big dark and we got KB82 coming in 499 saying, what are your thoughts on Jaquan McMillian and Fabian Moreau's play? I've been pleasantly surprised. We did talk about them a little bit earlier. I think Moreau is, you're writing him for now, but he's very much a stopgap guy out there you're looking for a long-term option at cornerback to a uh, boundary cornerback too. Uh, but you ride that as long as you can. And he's playing solid football and credit to Christian Parker and Moreau, uh, both getting him ready and looking a lot better than Mathis out there. Jaquan McMillian though. Um, the Broncos, I think they found something here. Uh, I think that I would be curious if the off season, if he's given a chance to maybe compete for the wide corner spot as well, if they wanted to go a different direction with the slot, but he's been awesome in the slot. He's been physical. Uh, he's been taking the ball away. Uh, what a night and day difference uh, compared to the lesson, but like I saying Bassey out there playing the slot earlier, I mean, just did not have the physicality uh, that you have to, if you're going to bang in the slot, uh, you're not playing against the West Welkers or the uh, Julian Edelman's anymore uh in the slot you're playing a lot of more of the physical flex tight end types so uh, mcmillian's been awesome uh, i'm curious to see if he can keep it going and uh broncos right now look like they have three building blocks in the secondary out of five so that's that's a good spot to be well yeah i mean it, it's nice obviously at the beginning of the season we had two mm -hmm. with justin simmons and patrick sertan so having a for sure number three added to that list is huge and, and a young guy. I mean, you've got him locked up on a very t cheap price for, for at least a couple more years um, sets up well for the Broncos. And, you know, I, I know getting way ahead of ourselves by, of course, but right now the Broncos are set up to pick up number 13 in the draft hmm. and means we're probably going to miss out on the elite offensive talent per se. I mean, the, the top two tackles, probably top two wide receivers, the quarterbacks, obviously. Um, and so kind of pushes some of those defensive prospects down the list. And there's a lot of cornerbacks that are kind of in that mix for that middle of the first round place. Is cornerback a position you'd be willing to go there in the first round? I think everything's on the table right now uh, for the Broncos. I always will lean towards position of value at the end of the day. Uh, because especially ones that if you don't take one in the first round, you don't find them. Uh, but yeah, it's cornerback is certainly on the table. You have uh, McKinstry from Alabama, Wiggins from Clemson. Uh, you have 
Cooper DeGene at Iowa. We'll see what happens with Kalen King at Penn State. Uh, Georgia has a linebacker or a cornerback as well that should uh, we should keep an ear out for. So yeah, it's it's certainly a possibility. Edge, defensive tackle, cornerback. Uh, we'll see. We have a lot of a lot of time left, and I still think yeah. you have a chance at some good offensive player. This is an offensive heavy draft. Maybe this will be the year. Even though the Broncos are in theory set at tackle next season, maybe this is the year they finally take a tackle. There should be some good ones available middle of the first round. And uh, we talked about the uncertainty at wide receiver going forward. Jerry Judy's, you know, it's not a high volume passing attack. They try to trade him multiple times. We'll see what happens with Cortland Sutton's contract. It's a pretty good wide receiver class uh, as well. I've seen people who are better at wide receiver than I am. And that would be you as well, Carl. But I've seen people say that this is probably the best, like top 10, top 15 wide receivers that we've seen maybe ever like the, the talent at the top. And that's obviously hyperbole from those folks. We'll see how it plays out, but the talent is unbelievable for wide receiver in this class. So we'll see Mike Edel coming in says uh, $10. Thank you. It says, I think the Broncos are going to keep our top players. This is not going to be a rebuild. Our ownership has deep pockets. I live in Minnesota and they are really talking some smack. Well, Mike, <laughs> I, uh, one thing we talked about the blitz earlier with Minnesota, one thing the Broncos will have going with them. And if you guys are in the stands for this one, I, beg you to educate a fan near you. Although there'll probably be a lot of purple in the stands because a lot of trans transplant Midwesterners in Denver, uh, but make sure it's quiet when the offense is on the field, because they're going to need to be able to communicate. I think the Broncos are probably going to try to hurry up to the line, try to see what the Vikings are showing before the snap and get into a better look, which means a, they need to be able to get hear each other in the huddle and then hear each other when they're at the line of scrimmage. So hopefully Broncos fans, like when Peyton was out there, he would be visibly pissed if the fans were loud in the stands when they were home in on offense don't do that don't make manning mad don't make the ghost of peyton manning angry at you uh make sure the fans are quiet when the offense is on the field yeah i'm with you there and you're, you're right ownership does have deep pockets now you still have to be careful with that because with the the hard cap in the nfl they can push money down the road that just means further years there's going to be some some issues and eventually at some point you have to pay that bill mm-hmm. now. Yeah. A lot of these players, they can restructure these deals and get under the cap. Uh, Broncos have a lot of contracts that are set up well right now to be able to do a lot of that. Uh, so they, they can, they could run it back with this team. If they feel like this is, you know, everybody's coming together. They just need another year together. They, they can definitely do that. It's not going to be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. You just got to decide how much do we want to hamper future years and the contracts that we can bring in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a good call. Another interesting, again, don't want to get too far ahead of the uh, Minnesota stuff here, but uh, the defenses of the Broncos and the Vikings, number one and number two in the NFL in yardage given up from penalties by the defense and Minnesota, given their aggression with pass rush means you leave a lot of guys on islands. You know, what's better than giving up an 80 yard touchdown, 20 yard or 10 yard holding penalty or 20 yard pass interference. So, uh, We'll see what that looks like, but that's a team that's making a lot of penalties uh, on the back end from the Vikings. Troy Boer coming in 999 says, Hey guys, can't watch now, but will later. What impact with Hicks absence have on the game? Uh, have a great show. Hicks. Who's Hicks that we're talking about here. There must be a Vikings Hicks. That's not standing out to me. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm blanking on that as well here. So okay. Troy, well, if you're still well, around, let us know which Hicks you're talking about. Um, oh, okay. Sure. Jordan Hicks, uh, Vikings. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's been, he has not really stood out this season. 
but it should be an issue uh, for them all the same, just because of the physicality that the Broncos are going to be bringing in this game with the matchups up front. Uh, Hicks is much better in coverage than he is as a run defender. Uh, but uh, it's something that, you know, if you're causing, especially a team that's blitzing a lot, uh, if you're causing any of their front players or back seven players to be out, it's, it causes, cause some issues. So maybe you see something in terms of with Hicks's athleticism, maybe you see the Broncos take advantage of it with a play action. Uh, they're pounding the rock and then, you know, too aggressive coming down or especially the screen game. That's one where we've seen a little bit more athletic flashes from the offensive line. Uh, we know that we like to be heavy in the personnel. Maybe that's one where Hicks out. Uh, you can actually really bust one open in the, uh, in the screen game. So that's, it, it could be a big one. Yeah. I'm with you there. I, like I said, McLaughlin, one of those players that could really take one to the house. If somebody misses a tackle or if they get too aggressive, uh, this could be a really big game for him. I know these last couple games haven't been much for him. You know, it's not quite the explosion that we saw those first few games of the year, but th- this could be his coming back out party for, for the Broncos. And um, so be, definitely be looking for that. Sean Payton loves the screen game probably more than I'd like him to, but he's also one of those guys that seems to have decent success with it. Um, mm-hmm. Better than a lot of the other ones that the Broncos have had. I, I'm trying to think of some of like the tight end screens that they would do in the past that I'm like, Oh my gosh, why are you doing that to an unathletic tight end? This is so stupid. Um, he, he's not that guy. Like he's getting it into his playmakers hands. And, and he tried a couple times this last one, you know, you saw the one where, um, with Mims, I think I think it was Mims, and a blitzer came through, and Wilson tried to throw it around him. It just didn't work out well. Um, so you, you still see, like, he's trying to get some speed, get get a big play through the screen game if he possibly can, and this is definitely one of those games. Like I said, it's going to be kind of a feast or famine, and that, that's the way Flores wants to play. Like, he's willing to give up the big play if it means the big play the other way too. Yeah. Without a doubt, and again, with Hicks being out, uh, the Broncos, we saw it in this game, but the data backs it up too. Uh, They love to utilize the running backs in the pass game. Now, it's not the quick pass game, so to speak. It's more if the shots aren't there, Russell Wilson will get to the dump off or you know create and then see that flick to uh, get to a better athlete in space. But on the season, uh, I believe this is not including last night's data just yet, but Broncos have targeted the running back position out of the pass game 24% 24% of the time, which is the pretty far and away the highest in the league out of any quarterback uh, with at least 150 dropbacks. I mean, you're talking about the guys around him are like uh, Garoppolo, Carr, uh, Zach Wilson, which maybe not great company, but uh, kind of the style that the Broncos are running right now. And Sean Payton has liked to use the running backs in the past too. And it's working uh, for now with the Broncos. So again, the blitz heavy team, linebacker being out, maybe this is one where, you know, P Ryan continues to be in, maybe becomes a little bit less of an under unheralded uh, contributor for the Broncos. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And uh, I saw somebody had talked about the the substance on the, the back of um, Riley Dixon's hand. That was invisible uh, bandaid. He'd gotten a turf burn on his hand. And so they were using that. I know people are talking about the tar that does not work well for the kicking game. Like if that ball is stuck in your hands, you can't place it down. That's a problem. So it'd be actually counterproductive to have him use that stuff that everybody was trying to to pin it as. No, that was just that invisible Band-Aid stuff that they put on, put it on that burn, keep it covered up. No, no story there. 
Yeah, that was, uh, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous too, right? Have you had pine tar on there and you caught the ball and tried to rotate it and get it down there? That seems like it would be very detrimental <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to what you need to do as a punter. So that didn't make any sense to me. And when I first saw it, I didn't even think it was a bandit. I thought it was just straight up turf burn, uh, f- from the football field, uh, which if you had that before, that's no fun. Uh, we got Patrick coming in here saying Aloha gents finally can sit back and proudly enjoy some coffee during these early games. Yeah. Relevance. Broncos are relevant. I uh, loved it today. The, uh, I mean, we kind of knew it was coming from the general media, but it was like, okay, what's wrong with the bills firing Ken Dorsey, which still shocks me. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, what's wrong with him? The Bills, super disappointing. But, but, but wait, wait, wait. We need to give the Broncos some credit to winners of three in a row. Sean Payton looks like he's maybe turned things around here. Nate, the Broncos are worth monitoring down the stretch. You know what that's called? Relevance. We're relevant. We're not a not a laughing stock anymore. Uh, the Broncos could win every single one of the games down the stretch. They will be have a chance to win every single game down the stretch. Winning every one is improbable, but uh, should be a lot of fun uh, down the stretch here. And hopefully a little bit better on the the special team side of things. And I did want to talk real quick about uh, special teams as well in this one. Uh, Carl, your thoughts on it in general, uh, the dichotomy or not the dichotomy, just how bad the kicking game was in comparison to the returning uh, and coverage units, right? Like what a yeah. special stunk. The special teams guys did well, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Marvin Mims. I think he is, he's under talked about for the, the kind of player that he is. And the, I mean, right now you could make the, the argument that he should be an all pro returner. I don't think there's even an argument. He is the all pro returner in the NFL right now. So as a punt returner, he is like 0.5 yards off from the record in football, like for all time for a season and return yardage. He's at like 20.5 and the record is 21 yards per return. And that happened back in 1957. Like the top five guys are all people from like 73 or earlier in, in football history. You know, teams just coverage units got a lot better over time. And, and so for him to be having that kind of season that we could be talking that it's a top five returner of all time kind of season. That's huge. And like I said, it's just not being talked about enough. And and I get it. Like the rest of the team hasn't been great most of the year. And I think if they keep winning and more people get eyes on this kid, more people are going to be like, what in the world? Like this guy's special, you know, as a return, as a kick returner, he's number one in the NFL as a kick returner as well. So he's number one in both areas. It, it's just crazy to see what he can do once the football's in his hands. Just got to get the football in his hands. They've been trying though too, right, Carl? Yeah. Like they've uh, with the manufactured touches. It's just that he is explosive in space, the head of steam. But I don't know about the the start stop and the ability to break tackles. If that makes sense, like it's a different skill set. They're and they're trying. They're damnedest. I mean, Sean Payton talked about it last week in the press conference, trying to get him utilized, and uh, just haven't seen it so far. So we'll be curious. I mean, the big plays, if you have them, they're backbreakers. And the Broncos had, I think only three passes that traveled 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage in this game against the Bills. So there's not a lot of shots there uh, yeah. vertically that we had maybe coming back to Mike McGlinchey having one of his best games. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, we definitely need to figure out ways to get more explosives in the past game. And that probably involves getting Mims more utilized and hopefully we'll see. I mean, there's going to be chances for explosive this week 
against the Vikings. Uh, Colin had one in here. I didn't want to spend too much time being a football nerd, but uh, did want to answer this. And I want to give credit to Bill Belichick uh, for this as well. I don't know. He had a press conference this uh, off season and Bill Belichick is he's really turned into an old head. Somebody asked him a question about special teams and he went on like a 10, 12 minute monologue about it. And it just took up the rest of the press conference, which God bless him. Uh, but uh, talked about why aren't backup quarterbacks no longer holders. That way you always have the possibility of a fake. Uh, the reason you don't see many backup quarterbacks being holders anymore is that you would rather have the kicker getting reps on the side of the field when a game's going on and the quarterback's actually throwing the football. If you're taking a quarterback out of the offensive practice and working on the kicking stuff, that means that he's not getting the quarterback reps. And probably odds are he's not getting enough reps to uh, be a good enough holder as well. So everything's become super specialized in that sense. Uh, you see the same thing with long snappers as well. Why don't we have... Uh, you know, tight ends or centers being long snappers anymore. Well, the specialists are off working with a special teams coach and each other when uh, other things are going on. So there's just not enough time reps to split everybody to do all of that, especially when the margins are so small. So typically you see punter be the holder. Uh, it's part of the skill set now and the uh, long snapper being its own position entirely. And then we got Phil McLaughlin coming back in saying, what is the PFF grade for Vikings D against the run? Right now, the Vikings are 15th in the NFL with a 65.7. So th this is a team you can run against, but I think you're going to see a lot of teams really selling out against the run, against the Broncos, and pretty much just daring them, like, please, pass the ball. Like, we're, we're going to take – we're going to line eight guys here in the box as many times as we possibly can and just see if your quarterback can beat them over the top. And so – I mean, this is where you're just you're going to have to have a couple of those explosive plays. You're going to have some guys with some one on one opportunities and they have to take advantage of it. You know, this is going to be make or break for for Jerry Judy. This is a big opportunity for him to really prove that he can still be a, a great playmaker here in the NFL. Cortland Sutton, we've seen he makes plays, but some of the he needs to show a little bit more between the 20s, what he can bring to the table and Mims. I mean, again, that's another one couple big plays, maybe it backs that defense off a little bit. Yeah, you got you to hit them over the top if they're going to be aggressive like that. The, the Vikings are weird uh, with their rush defense stuff because they are seventh in the NFL in rush defense EPA uh, up there with, I mean, pretty close to the Browns and the uh, Patriots as well, Ravens, Jets. I mean, they're in that group with them, but their rush success rate is actually pretty poor. I think they're, yeah, 20th in the NFL at that. So what does that mean? Uh the Vikings are pretty good down to down uh, at stopping the run, but they seem that the, because their EPA or excuse me, they're worse down to down, but they're not giving up as many uh, explosives or scores uh, with the EPA being so much higher for them, positive for them uh, than the success rate. So we'll see what happens with this game, uh, but the Vikings middle of the pack to maybe bumping up a little bit better uh, in that Mike Edel coming in $5 super chat says, uh, how much did the wind play into the kicking game in Buffalo? I just seem to remember a lot of teams having trouble kicking there. It didn't look like it was like crazy, you know, Lake Erie snow, snow effect stuff going on there, but there was, they mentioned, I think in the broadcast, some swirling wind stuff going on there. So I'm sure it played a little bit of an impact, but I think the hold was more of an issue on the, the first two misses at least. Yeah. Or the I, first miss second one botch snap. Right. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm not going to be too hard. I know a lot of people are like cut Will Lutz. No, I mean, he, he missed an extra point. And yes, he got lucky on that last field goal, but it was a rush thing. Um, for the most part, he has been a very, very solid kicker for the Broncos. 
and people kind of forget he did make a couple field goals in that game as well that were very nice. About I think he made the 49 yarder into that swirling wind. That was a huge, huge play for the Broncos right there at the end of the half to to get those kind of points. And um, so yeah, the hold I think was a little bit more of a problem than than anything else. Obviously, Riley Dixon didn't have a great game punting. You know, a couple times where the Broncos really could have pinned them back. He punts it straight through the end zone. So maybe that's a little bit of that swirling wind as well. Not quite feeling it. Um, yeah, it was not a great day for the specialist. But overall, I think you got to be pretty happy with what special teams was able to do in this game. Yeah, I wasn't great, uh, but overall pretty good pretty good return um from the uh, specialists well and i mean because of mims and the turnovers the broncos had started their average starting field position was their own 42 41 i mean that's unheard of uh carl do you know how many points the broncos had off of turnovers in this game six do you know how many first downs they had following those turnovers like one zero zero okay Zero first downs. All the Got to be a little bit better off the uh, opportunities that defense are going to give it to you. Uh, that's for sure. So, Carl, uh, we've been at it for about an hour now. Any uh, any final thoughts before we want to get out of here? We do have time for some stock up, stock down if you wanted, uh, but uh, we could also, you know, cover the bills a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, I fall asleep. The the one thing I did want to hit on, and I've seen it in the comments quite a bit. People talk about Dulcich and him coming back and that has definitely been an element missing from this offense from earlier. You know, the reality is actually during this, the stretch wins, the offense is scoring less than they were earlier in the year. Obviously the big difference is the defense and what they're giving up, but the offense is almost taken a little bit step back. They're almost getting a little bit more conservative. And, and part of it is they just, they don't quite have those weapons to, to take advantage of opportunities. And so getting Dulcich back could definitely be a, a nice, moment for the Broncos. Um, I I'm torn on it because he's always kind of that teams. know if Dulcich is in the game, 95% of the time, they're going to be passing it. Yeah. And because he's just, he's not so he's not great against or not great run blocking. And that, that's just a, a problem for sure. But, um, but yeah, he'd still be a nice piece to have back. Even if you're only getting 15, 20 snaps from him in, in it's obvious passing situations, He's at least another weapon that you can take advantage of if he's back 100%. We'll have to see on that. And then I'm still a little bit interested in this, this cruel tight end. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched him down there with New Orleans and in, in the preseason. He had some really nice plays. There's a lot of times he was wide open. He's got a little bit of athleticism. He's got some size to him. And we've seen with Russell Wilson, he likes those bigger guys that can go up there and make a play for him every once in a while. And there's times he was open in this game. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tried to key in on him every once in a while and Wilson just missed him. There, there's one play down the sideline, I think wide open, nobody even near him. And Wilson just didn't see him at all. didn't look his way. So I'm hoping they go back and watch that film and say, Hey, we got to come back to this because this could be a big play for the offense that nobody's expecting because right now nobody respects the tight ends of the Broncos at all. And with good reason. I mean, they kind of respect them banging in the trenches, uh, but in the past game, you're hundred percent right. And Broncos got to figure out a way to be a little bit more explosive out of their 12 personnel right now. They're running the ball well out of their heavy set uh, and with two tight ends on the field, uh, but haven't seen many explosives in the past game 
out of that formation. And maybe Lucas Kroll can bring something to the table there. I really did enjoy watching him at Pitt, uh, teaming up a lot. He was on the team, former teammates here uh, with, uh, uh, gosh, Jordan Addison uh, via Pitt and also the one of the better pass-catching weapons from uh, Kenny Pickett when they were at Pitt together. So uh, Kroll has some talent there. We'll see. I, I'll be curious to see what the Broncos try to do here uh, versus the the Vikings uh, we saw in this last game against the bills. Carl, would you expect to have more 11 personnel or multi-tight end sets out of this last game against the bills? Yeah. Probably multi-tight end sets. We had more 11 personnel uh, in wow. this game uh, overall. So, I mean, there's plenty of snaps. I mean, we had Mims have a gosh, how many snaps did Mims have in this one? Uh, eighth highest snap getter at 52 snaps. Uh, so he was out there out of, out of 76. So there was a lot of 11 personnel. I'll be curious to see what the strategy is. Do you want to pack the box to try to protect quarterback, get more hat on hat in there? Or are you going to try to spread them out? Uh, I think personally, given Russell Wilson's struggles in the quick game, I'd rather pack the box a bit and go hat on hat there just because I don't know if Russell Wilson is finding those options, but the last few weeks, he has been a lot better at getting the plays in on time quicker, uh, getting guys to the line of scrimmage and, making the checks at the line of scrimmage. We've seen that uh, start to improve as he's starting to seem to be more comfortable in the system and what Sean Payton's wanted to ask of him. So it's going to be a hell of a matchup. And man, what a hell of a time. Uh, Broncos three wins in a row. Who'd have thought we would be here? Carl, we've been asking for it for years. Uh, Can we just have some relevant, meaningful football in December? You know, like have something that it's not like week 16 and we're sitting here like, oh, this team, this team, this team need to lose. So the Broncos have a better draft pick. (laughs) <laughs> that might be in the past. Uh, that might be yeah. uh, not this season. So another big game come up against the Vikings primetime Sunday night. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about that and definitely still time to celebrate uh, a big victory on the road, handing the bills, their first home loss in Buffalo this season. So a lot of fun. Uh, any final thoughts, Carl? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's funny two weeks ago, a lot of people were screaming Broncos should be taken off the primetime games, you know, try to flex those games out of there because it's just going to be embarrassing. And now, like I said, Broncos three-game winning streak, you know, has a bigger win streak than them, Vikings at five. So you got the two hottest teams in football coming together on Sunday night football. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for it. Hopefully we get to keep this streak going, get to that five and five mark. And man, who would have imagined one and five, maybe possibly in five and five with this team. So pretty crazy to see. Yeah. A lot of fun, and uh, Phil comes in says, so is there going to be a time when we open up the O and throw deep? I think that the calls are there, uh, but if you're moving the ball efficiently, I wouldn't uh, worry too much about it, but this is probably the week where you're hopefully going to see some shots. There's going to be some ISO, and you need to be aggressive and take advantage of those, but right now it doesn't seem like the a lot of teams, and this Phil, this is a, I could go on a bit about this, but teams are playing so much, zone and two deep safety stuff right now uh, that they are doing everything they can to take away explosives. It's not just Denver, not with fans feeling like they aren't opening it up and throwing it deep. Uh, It's everybody. The explosive play rates have plummeted over the last few years and they're, they're at a 25 year low. Uh, So you still want to Broncos need to figure out how to create explosives. Uh, They had, I think only two or three in this last game. Uh, But it's something that it's every fan base is like, man, we don't have the explosives like we used to follow the bills right now. They're like, Oh my God, we're not hitting these big touchdowns. Like we used to anymore. Nobody really is. Uh, so uh, definitely something to monitor and hopefully the Broncos can figure out going forward. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, God bless, man. What a game. Uh, a lot of fun here. Victory Tuesday. Don't have those come around very often, so definitely soaking that up. Make sure you guys are following Carl and I on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler MHH. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you guys are following us at BTB Football Pod over on Twitter as well as at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join us at Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. And as that ticker says there underneath, if you're joining us over on YouTube today, subscribe to Mile High Huddle like this show specifically and uh, share on your social media platforms. So that way yeah, more people come in. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Broncos are on a win streak right now. The vibes are great. Uh, let's get some more people in here to hang out and uh, you know, ride. I God, do, do we want to say let's ride? Like, is that even okay to say right now? <laughs> and you just broke everything. No, and it's the vibes are good. We are having fun. Um, it's, Great to see the Broncos playing competitive football. A lot of fun. Thank you for everybody who joined us today. Make sure you continue to choose kindness and compassion. We'll see you again later. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.